it's been a long time since we've gotten to talk some tough football. How are you guys doing? Anywhere I went, any time I saw a tough league player, they asked me where the podcast was. And now here we are. We're back. We are back. We've had a busy offseason. It's not easy to do a podcast when we are all 450 miles away from each other. Diane, you're up there in Eugene, Oregon. I'm here right now in Sacramento. Greg, you're in L.A., so it's pretty cool that we can do this with the technology we have. It's it's amazing. There's been so much that has happened just in the first quarter of the year in Tough League, so I'm excited to get get going and get started. First thing I kind of want to talk about is I am to understand that there are going to be a a couple of new sites, and Tough is going to debut something called a showcase season. Billy, you want to kind of explain that a little bit? Yeah, we've been kicking it around for a while. It's something that we think will benefit the smaller locations or even the locations that don't have the the power that we have here in L.A. or San Diego or Dallas, like where the conference manager really pulls through and does an immaculate job. We thought about how to possibly get more locations with a quicker turnaround time. And one thing we came up with was the showcase season, and that's where we basically have the season running two weeks long and by that I mean week one would be a Saturday and a Sunday back-to-back you would play two or three games that day and then the following weekend would be the playoffs interesting I mean so it's so it's basically going to be like a mix between a tournament and and a full season yeah it'd be a hybrid between what we all consider our tournament and then what we consider our seasons our seasons are typically shorter anyways we do about a five or six week season but as you know when you don't have the proper manager in place it feels like forever right it's interesting because then in that case then billy right the showcase becomes maybe not just for players but like (laughs) we're trying to do a showcase to get a good conference manager and supporting staff (laughs) right exactly for the showcase seasons it would most likely be me running them so we're talking about locations like birmingham kansas city Philadelphia, Connecticut, New Jersey, New York, Phoenix, Las Vegas, Denver. We're going to test it out first before we actually move forward with it. And uh, if it goes well, uh, it's something that we'll do. And another aspect of that, so many teams travel to play. And so a shorter showcase type season, you know, sort of that hybrid, I think that adds an interesting, you know, new dynamic as to, you know, teams figuring out where they play and when, and I think it gives them a little more flexibility. I think it's preferable to have a full season in locations like Los Angeles in in San Diego because it's, you know, tough is such an established community in those places. But Billy, exactly like you said, you know, in places where we're trying to build it up, I think it's definitely a, a good bridge in the meantime. Do the winners of these showcase seasons earn the same amount of coins as people who participate in five, six-week season? And if so, what do you say to the player that that caused BS on that? Well, Greg, maybe this is the one time in my life that you stumped me. (laughs) 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 No, I I think that uh, given this scenario, the showcase seasons aren't going to cost as much as they would a regular season. Okay. The fact that we're talking about Tough Cup Coins being the decision maker, I don't think that I need to modify that. Got it. That's going to be a factor for so few teams. Like there are really only a handful of teams at each location that are realistically going to vie for 
the national Tough Cup playoffs. I think that while sort of gunning for Tough Cup coins in those you know, showcase seasons, that's sort of a mercenary approach to things. I, I do think that a lot of teams enjoy having more elongated seasons where, you know, they're able to spend time playing with their teams and, and with sort of the, you know, wider tough community in their region. At least, you know, that's my take on it. Right. It's more beneficial to have a full season and, and players here in LA and San Diego, they love it. It's, the the it, the, the build up the community the the rivalries the bonds that you get with the players and, and the teams it's awesome and that's what we obviously want for everyone but we could definitely do that but we would have to limit how many places we are and we want to be able to give everybody out there that has a team a shot to to win the tough cup playoffs on the national platform but we can't do that if we don't have the right managers in place and I think that's a, a strong testament to that position. You know the the Joe Greens that, and the and the and the Brandon Browns who can run a successful location, back to back to back to back and not have any problems. That's not easy to do. Look at look at St. Louis for example. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, another thing that comes to my mind, I'm 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 in player mode here, and I'm, I'm how does that work with the star system? It's a it's a showcase, shortened season. Our team's gonna arm up to play in these showcase seasons earn the coins and then this is you know what they'll use for whatever their region's yuletide tournament they're going to come with this same team that may or may not be above the standard or the allowable stars for players i mean are we going to be sticklers and, and, and really conservative on how we judge these teams to keep the parity and prevent teams from you know basically making all stars or super teams absolutely because if you don't do that what's stopping one team from just piling up the best superstars to be the best team in all of the nation that's really easy to do that's that's tournament style which you see everywhere right this is league based and yeah we do have a star system which kind of puts a cap at what you can do with your team you can't just build up an all-star juggernaut squad you have to be careful with who you put on the team to make sure that you don't go over the limit. Got it. And I think that's I think that you will have that in a showcase se- season or in a regular season where it's just 5 or 6 weeks. I don't think that that really makes a difference. Okay. Also as a player, I'm different. I don't care who's on the other side. So I'm asking that as a general question, but ultimately if you were to ask me if I'm bringing a team out, I don't care who's on the other side. I got to play them anyway. So bring whoever you want. You know, you on the field with me, you gonna you gonna get this work regardless. Of who well, you I guess team. my question to you is, how, how do you see it being a problem? What do you see? What what's the what's the scenario where this could be a problem? The unknown, and the unknown factor is going to be there no matter what. There's going to be five star players who people just don't know, right? And and yeah. and here's another thing. I'll give an example. We've brought his name up before, but James Calhoun is an elite player. He's one of the really true five star receivers we have in the system. And if you look at Pericos, he can affect the game, but stats-wise, he's never in the, the the leaders. Right. So he didn't even make, for instance, you know, I think Tuff put out an all-Titan team. He didn't even make it. But, right. yeah. but I think unanimously, if you give the captains of the teams a pick at a receiver, they're all gonna pick. They are gonna pick him first. Right. Like let's say he were to somehow move to Arizona, he becomes an unknown, right, to the Arizona people. So maybe the conference manager doesn't put him in the star system as a five star, but he is along with like, you know, whatever five stars they do know about. Right. So I think mm-hmm. that you'll get this in the showcase and it's the unknown. I think it's going to happen no matter what. You're going to have a team that's going to be very powerful because everybody doesn't know just how powerful all of the individual pieces are. But once again, they're on the field. The team's got to play. 
That's just the way. But at the same time, this is anywhere. When a player is outstanding and does a good job, we notice. We have film on every single game that is played, and people watch that film all the time. If a James Calhoun moves to Idaho, we're going to know where James Calhoun plays. James Calhoun can't run from flag football, right? The flag football community is just small enough to where we pretty much know who is good and who is not good. It's those young players that are coming up that we don't know yet that will make a difference, that we won't know who they are yet to determine whether or not they're a four-star or a five-star. But sooner or later, game film will tell us who is good no matter where you play. Bet. With the star system, a lot of it becomes the devil you know. We know everyone in some of these regions. And we're just going to have a little less film. You know? We'll have less film, but we'll have more meat in that film. It's only one week, a Saturday and a Sunday, to make up the regular season. We'll be able to see who's good. And those locations that do have the showcase season, they're going to have a lot of tournaments throughout, too, so we can monitor them through that as well. Okay. I mean, I think that was my other question, too, is, you know, say you end up with a roster that, you know, is over the star cap. With the Pericos, last January, they had to make choices about who would end up on their roster in the National Tough Cup playoffs because they were over the star cap. But they had options because, you know, there were multiple seasons that they played in that year that they could choose from. And so what you're saying is that, you know, even with these showcase seasons, those opportunities and those choices will still exist. They will, and every game will actually matter a little bit more. And what's going to suck is if a player's like, hey, I'm actually unavailable for that week entirely. I won't be able to make it. But at the same time, it could help because players are going to say, hey, if you tell me when the season is, I'll make sure that I am available that weekend to play and the next weekend for playoffs. That way we do get their best for that season that exists. Got it. When you play, and I mean, I think I even heard this from Darius Walters himself, is that like when you have a five-week season and you know that for one of those weeks you're playing two terrible teams, you're just not going to show up. James Calhoun is not on the all-Titan team because he shows up for two weeks of the season and doesn't put up enough stats to put himself into the conversation of the all-Titan team. If you tell somebody like James Calhoun, hey, the season's only two weeks long, guarantee he's there for all two weeks. Right, but, but I love the idea of it all because it becomes exclusionary, right? So you, right. you're now able to involve more regions, more players, more teams. And give them a really good product at the same time. Correct. You know, it's orange juice from concentrate. That's perfect, right? Because you get you get everything right there. You get all, of, like you said, the meat and the pulp of everything. It's just right there in those two weeks. You get it all. And then now you have more teams who can possibly represent a region. And it just makes the, 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 not, the tough cup. It makes that more powerful. It makes that more interesting, more entertaining. And it's just awesome. I mean, the last one was amazing with six teams. I would love to see what it looks like with 12. Speaking of stars, you know, news came out recently that RBK in Los Angeles added two big players to their roster for next season in Rich Barber, who was on Primetime Sharks, and Vi Pico, who was on Black Panthers. I made fun of him for it. Like, you know, you all saw the season awards and said, you know, I want all of that. They didn't win Los Angeles. Ronan won Los Angeles. And so that's how tough things get in Los Angeles yeah. and it's gonna be even tougher as teams figure out you know right now Ronan is the king of the ship they have won uh the last what three championships in a row in Los Angeles actually they won the last two championships in LA they won the Yuletide tournament 
And then they played Pericos in the championship game of the Tough Cup and took a very uh, took a tough loss. But they lost a yeah. close one. The Ronin did win 2022 Winter Season Titan Cup. A lot of that was from the help of their creative player, Dash Crutchley, who will not be on that team next season. Ugh. So this brings up an interesting conversation because I, I've always said that competition can sometimes bring out the worst and the best person because competitors, you know, those adre- the adrenaline, the juices start flowing. You play at a higher level. This is how people can do amazing things when their adrenaline is going. This is a case where it worked out negatively for one of my favorite players in Tough League, and his name is Dash Crutchley. And Dash, you know, was in a situation where I'm going to say he was provoked (laughs) into making a very poor decision and he threw punches. Now, I don't think that this is a singular event. This was a cumulative thing that happened over the course of an entire game that was chippy, competitive and fiery. I ref in tough league sometimes. I see it all the time. You know, guys get chippy, they talk across. What makes it complicated is that a lot of these guys know each other. So being able to separate smack talk that is familiar versus smack talk that can become inflammatory becomes difficult. This game was a situation where it became chippy from the beginning. You had a couple really tough fouls. The center rusher situation in the game was tough the entire game. Very tough to call. There were a lot of bull rushes, borderline bull rushes, and overall aggressive play the entire game. I would just ask that the the referees and tough for future just kind of keep their head on a swivel because I do believe that there were some points in that game that showed that something was brewing. Eventually it boiled over and we had an all-out fight. By no means am I saying the referees didn't do something correct. I'm just saying that as part of being a ref, we have to not only know all the rules, be perfect, not make any mistakes, but we also have to be field generals where we are managing a game to prevent the situation where a player's emotions get the best of them and then now it places everyone in harm. Players physically, the league logistically. It's an unfortunate situation, but it did happen. Well, refs need to read the room, honestly. If things are getting chippy, then, you know, a well-timed penalty to really demonstrate that we're looking and we're not going to tolerate certain type of play, I think would help. A few years ago, an incident happened in the Tupper playoffs where a player on my team, the Sirens, there was an altercation between her and another player on a different team. And really what led up to that was sort of that interactions between rusher and center, where there's a lot of contact that happens there. Players were feeling like bull rushing was happening, that that hits to the neck and the face were happening that weren't being patrolled or, you know, really recognized by by refs. And that stuff begins to escalate into what becomes these type of altercations. And so I was there for that. I, I, I was there for that. And I remember that. And I was I was on the other field and I was watching it happen. And there were a lot of bull rushes be- being happening in that game. I mean, both sides. And then you know what happens? A player has enough. And then all of it takes is is a, a flail of the arm to accidentally hit someone in the face who's been bull rushing or being bull rushed all game. And then now you've got an all-out fight. And that's that's kind of what happened in that game. Somebody got RKO'd. <laughs> Somebody got rock bottomed. It was straight WWE. It was amazing. And it was also unfortunate. I'm not excited about it. I do want to shout out to a lot of players, though. Very rarely do we get fights. We do get them. 
but very rarely. Based off, I mean, the ratio of players in the league to those who throw punches, it's, it's quite small. So uh, we do have a good rule set in place, but it does happen. And what shocked me is that it happened with one of the nicest players in the game of flag football with Dash Crutchley. So if it could get him to a point where he's throwing punches, we have to fix the problem. So Greg, you and I and a bunch of other guys, we got together. We're talking about the right protocol in place in order to remove the scenario entirely. So yeah. With games on the line, specifically championship games between two teams that have history with one another, we are going to begin a a protocol in place that is going to help us keep players calm. Yeah. We are going to monitor the game. We are going to make sure that players don't get upset to the point to where they begin throwing punches. I think that we haven't been there for them because I talked to Dash and I say, Dash, you threw a punch. Why? You know, and his first reaction was, well, I didn't want to leave it up to the refs because they weren't really looking. I get his point, right? Because you don't want to say, hey, man, keep a look on this. This guy's doing this. Because he even said, he goes, you know, you have two referees looking at 12 players. That's not something that's really easy to do. Could I clear up something, though? I I think as part of this, too, and we always focus on, oh, but this guy threw punches. We're, we're using punches, but realistically, what we're talking about are actions that could be, could be harmful to other players. So it may not just be punches. And let me just say the play in question, yes, dash through punches, but leading up to that, the other player exhibited behavior that was harmful to dash. So yes, dash through punches, but I think equally bad is, you know, the fact that he had a full take your knee out, take down and pull down by the jerk. I mean, this is this equally harmful. And we focus on punches. It's not just punches. We are going to be looking out for the league, the players, and we're going to try to prevent harm, period. So if, you know, we put together a tribunal that looks at these and we make a determination that a player is doing something that's harmful to other players, and it could be whether it's, you know, a a really rough tackle or takedown or leg swipe or something, doesn't have to just be punches. You know, this is stuff that's not going to be tolerated. Now, that being said, Uh, One of the things that, you know, I brought up when we were talking about this is that, you know, the the punishment has to equal the incident, right? I personally don't like blanket discipline. If X, then Y. I think there's a lot of variables in between and the equation isn't linear. It's something that, you know, we have to look at the situation, figure out what happened and then make make a decision accordingly. I mean, guys have to know when it comes down to it, though, that you guys are all all you players out there, you're grownups, right? You, you know, we we know we've known since, you know, entering into, you know, uh, the social contract of schooling or society or work that, you know, you don't fight. Just, <laughs> right. you, just, you don't fight. That's not the way to solve. I mean, unless your job is is an organized pugilistic event like boxing or M- MMA, you don't fight. And I understand that, you know, sometimes bravado steps into it, your machismo. You don't you don't want to back down. You want to show how tough you are. Yeah. I mean, there's other lot. ways to do it. Uh, score a touchdown, you know, make an amazing yeah. catch or an interception or, or play for your team or a hustle play. I'm sure your teammates will appreciate that more than knowing that you can, you know, kick the ass of the guy across the line like in a fight. A lot of these players, their ego comes out and dash through those punches. And as soon as he finished, he knew he, he knew right away. He's like, that's that's probably the end of me. Like I said, if it can make dash throw punches, then we know we have a hole in the system that we got to fix. It's not just the players we let down either. I mean, there's there's more clarification in some of the contact elements of the rules 
that we could clarify to help the referees as well. I mean, because realistically, our refs, the players will admit, they're two guys watching 12 running around a field at full speed without the benefit of replay. <laughs> Make some of these things tough. The referees just need to understand when games are getting out of hand. And sometimes, it, you know, you got to, you got to kill the noise between friends. You got two friends talking across the line to each other. Well, if you're reading the room, maybe that's not the best time for it. I know you guys are – I've had to say this to players all the time. I know you guys are boys. But considering the climate of what's happening and how, t- how tight this game is, not everyone is as familiar as you two. So I need you guys not to talk across the line to each other. And then you say that one time, and then they get it. And then it may be that you got to throw a flag. Sorry, I already told you. Can't uh-huh. do that. Can't do that. Because then I can't let you talk shit to him. And then this other guy talks shit to this guy and then the referees do nothing. Because right. then at that point, it's, it's, it's not a, there's no balance. Sometimes referees, we have to say, look, no nonsense. Can't have it this game. This ain't the game for it. it it's, already, it's already getting you know, real dramatic right now. We don't want to escalate to something where you know, teams right. start to feel some sort of way and then they want to fight. So you got to kill that mm-hmm. at the beginning. Um, and like Diane said, a well-timed flag will close that. You'd be surprised how many guys hate that 15 yards. <laughs> <laughs> well, it hurts. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, it, it's such a delicate balance. And I was going to contradict my own earlier point in that, you know, when it comes to those high stakes games, the natural inclination is to say, let them play. Like, you know, where, you know, the criticism then becomes the refs are imposing their will in a way that impacts games. And so I, I do think that there is a balance to be had there. But if if that balance is, you know, some criticism versus, you know, player safety, I do agree that we need to err in that direction. It does sometimes take the fun away. You know, a lot of these guys, you know, they have fun talking smack and, you know, uh, getting 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 that that fire. Going. Yeah, but if they have fun, they're not throwing punches. This was something yeah. that we could have sniffed out and starting spring season we will have people there to sniff it out i want to talk about the wild boys and no i'm not talking about the st louis wild boys i'm talking about the la wild boys who knew who knew there was a team in la called the wild boys Uh, no one and it's crazy because you know for all of the talk we talked there there were there was football being played out here (laughs) it was i mean that team came out of nowhere and they're probably one of my favorite teams now i watched them play this team is cocky. I mean, I'm serious. Yeah. Like they, like they are. Their cocky. walk is their walk is different. You know what I'm saying? They don't they don't talk to a whole lot of people outside of their team. And when they do, it's 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 short. <laughs> it's to the point. They know they're good. I refed the championship game between them and the Goonies for the LA LA Spartan, and that was an amazing game. It literally it so came fun. down to inches. You know. Goonies had first and goal from the one with like nine seconds left. They were able to get like three plays off. Couldn't convert. This is this is the kind of game it was. It was amazing. The Wild Boys don't like a play. You know what I'm saying? They yell and scream. They get animated. And they're like, ref, come on, man. It happened this way. And the ref says, no, nah, it happened this way. Bet. You know what they do? They go back out there and they make an aggressive play. <laughs> right? So I love yeah. the confidence because they're like, all right, cool. Referees ain't going to help. We don't need that. We'll just go out and do it ourselves. I love those types of teams, and they they came out and they played that way. Because I'm not gonna lie, their their offense wasn't the best offense. Goonies had the better offense. Their defense played scrappy. They forced the Goonies to have to make a mistake, and that's the way they really played. They have a rusher. <laughs> he got called for bull rush several times. 
This guy might be 140 pounds, <laughs> soaking <laughs> wet, wearing a sweatsuit and Tim's. He might be 140 pounds. And this dude was just like, he, he not only was he fast, he was bullying, just bullying the centers and, it, you know, just creating pressure. And it was, it was just amazing to see. Cause like I said, he, if you look at him, you're like, this dude is a DB easy, right? Like he's, he's slight, slightly built. Right. His shirt is tucked up to his nipples. He's wearing like little shorts. And you're like, there's no way this dude is a rusher. And he was. He's out there and he's mixing it up in the middle. It was just crazy to see. But the Wild Boys, I mean, like I said, their their quarterback looks like a linebacker. Their center looks like he's fresh out of uh, Bettenberg with the other Vikings out of Norway. (laughs) This dude, right. He's got like his hair. I mean, just it's just crazy. They don't. They don't look. They don't. Like they, they don't would look be. like your typical team that would win. And right. you know what's what's crazy is that they're they're they come from the south, right? They come from the south conference, the, the hardest conference that we, I I would assume that we have in tough league. They lost their first two games, and then after that, it was just win after win after win. They won the L.A. Spartan championship, and then they went they went to San Clemente in the so- SoCal showdown, and they beat the aliens. They beat the San Diego aliens. To win the SoCal Showdown. This team is on fire right now. To complete the sweep. LA yeah. swept San Diego. Diana, I'm going to let you talk about San Diego because we all know that Pericos are like your favorite team. <laughs> <laughs> we ended up once again with a matchup between Ronin and Pericos. It's a matchup in the SoCal Showdown that I could watch a million times and, and never get tired of it. You know, I have the utmost respect for both teams, as someone who just loves watching football, I could watch them play football forever. You know, I think that the Pericos walked away, you know, both winning um, San Diego again, coming off of their win in the National Tough Cup playoffs. And, you know, they're going to say for the SoCal showdown, they didn't have, you know, a lot of major players, Cam Wilcom, Darius Walters. Uh, and that's okay. No excuse. No excuse. You know, I think that they know that we're not going to consider that an excuse, but I think it's just all part of, it's just a chapter in the story of Tough that, you know, in which Pericos and and Ronan are main characters in. In this particular chapter, uh, Ronan got the best of them in the showdown, but those two teams still remain the cream of the crop. And so, you know, on any given day, they could play each other and either of them could win. Let me just say that neither one of them made it easy to the showdown. The Flyboys out of San Diego have something to prove, and mm. they gave the Pericos all they can handle. A Pericos team who was fully staffed, they gave them all they handled, and I think Pericos won on like the last drive of the game. They did. They had a great playoff run. And then Ronan was losing down two scores with a minute and change to go. Took advantage of the extension play to keep the ball in possession and scored at the end of the game. I think they left three or four seconds on the clock and RBK couldn't pull off the miracle miracle play. But neither one of those teams made it easy to the showdown. That's the amazing thing about Tough is that I think it's going to get even tougher for them. If I had to bet money on whether or not these two teams win San Diego and L.A. again, I think I'd bet the opposite. With that being said, what does the 2022 spring season Titan Cup championship game look like to you? I think the smart money flips the championship game results for both conferences. I think Flyboys win it in San Diego. And I think that RBK wins it in L.A. 
Because you know that Flyboys just picked up Justin Stewart. Justin Stewart is an amazing pickup for them. Well, for two reasons. He's a familiar piece to the Flyboys quarterback, okay, Brandon Goffner. He's, he's, he's a familiar piece with him. And Brandon really excels with familiarity. He loves playing with his guys. Jay Stu was a big piece that was missing for him in the Flyboys. Getting Jay Stu is going to be huge for them, and it may be the piece that puts them over the edge where they start beating on Pericos regularly. RBK picked up a bunch of good pieces, and we already talked about Ronan may be without their, their uh, yeah. <laughs> Billy Calls creative player, Dash Crutchley. And the reason, okay, for those who don't know, the reason why we call him a creative player is because this dude is a 6'6 slot receiver who's also built like a pulling right guard in the NFL. It's just, it's crazy, and he's, <laughs> and he, he dips. It's nuts. This guy dip like you, you can't you six six three hundred pounds dipping. That's just that's just crazy. Anyway, so that's why we call him the creative player. But there's another there's a couple other teams in L.A. Like San Diego, I do believe that Flyboys and Pericos are. The, I mean, they're 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 upper echelon. And then there's everybody else. L.A. Though, you're gonna get some teams like uh, the Sharks are gonna rebuild. The Sharks give RBK everything they can handle every time they play in the playoffs, and that, their games always come down to the final possession. So you have the Sharks. Then you have La Migra. La Migra is going to come back, and they're going to be strong. I keep betting against La Migra, and they keep proving me wrong. So uh, I think that La Migra is one of the stronger teams, and they're going to come back tough. And then you have a team like Endgame. I think eventually Endgame is going to put it together. Well, um, there's a big shakeup. Like, a lot of these teams are shaken up. You know Endgame was going to be splitting up, right? It, whoa, no. Yeah. Joey Joey De La Torre, I think he's actually bringing back the Ducks. Wow. Joey De La Torre is a good quarterback. He's been in tough for a while. He knows the system. From what I hear, he's bringing back the Ducks, and I think that's a Rashi and Flash connection. Rashi Scarbo and Jorge Chaidez. Yeah, I think that they're going to join. Now, These are this is the rumor mill, <laughs> but I know that uh, the tournament for Los Angeles, which is April 23rd, I know that Endgame is going to debut – their new team, kind of as a test run to see how they're going to do. But you know what? That's what happens. That's what happens when you get a team that's that's on. You know, get a team or a conference that's top heavy. You know, some of the middle the middle yep. of the road teams have to arm up to compete. Whether sometimes that's addition by subtraction. You know, you take a team and split them up, or you take one team and they just you know pull a couple key pieces from another team, and and it, and, it, and it happens. It happens all over the country in every league and tournament. If LA is really going to arm up, it's going to be very interesting to see who who comes out on top. It may be just a game of attrition who can stay healthy the whole season. Well, I want to put a challenge out there to any team. If you're hearing this and you're a team outside of RBK and Ronan and you make it to the Titan Cup playoffs, I have a surprise for you. Oh. If you're a team outside of RBK and Ronan and you're in the Titan Cup championship in 2022 spring, I have a surprise for you. Let's just leave it at that. I'll roll this audio back if it happens, and I'll give them something. And trust me, it'll be worth it. <laughs> I can't wait. So here's you know my thought on this. And so in L.A., there are so many talented players who have been playing the tough format forever. And I really think it's less about star power and you know really this arms race as it is more what team is playing ball with the least mistakes. When it comes to RBK and Ronan, 
you know, those are two incredibly stacked, talented teams. But the difference has been in those matchups that Ronan makes less mistakes. And it's really, like I said, that that margin of error where I think it was the championship in the season right before uh, the national or the Yuletide tournament. It really was basically two plays, you know, two bad plays in one drive for, you know, RBK that really turned the tide and and really, you know, gave the momentum to, to Ronan. And, you know, as much as we talk about stars, as much as we talk about talent, you know, it really is who makes the least mistakes at the, you know, at the least, you know, opportune times, you know, versus San Diego, where I see that as being more like the Pericos have this mystique. They may have players, you know, Kenny might not be the most flashy QB. They may not have the most stars um, on their team, but they have this mystique where I think that, you know, when, when the end of the game comes, you trust that they're going to figure out a way to win. And that's a difficult thing to sort of overcome if you are that team that's never beaten them. And, and so I think that's why, you know, I true. would still be picking Pericos and, and Ronan, you know, to, to win their championships next season. I want to see someone new win. So I'm cool with the Flyboys winning. I'm cool with RBK winning. But I, I want to see other teams come up and, and get these guys challenged. Oh, absolutely. It's hard to do when you keep when RBK keeps grabbing talent in the offseason. It's going to be hard to compete with them, but I think it could be done. And I think there's a smart GM, a smart captain out there that can do it and overturn the odds to where they are the team that competes against Rowan and an RBK. If you're a team out there from L.A. or San Diego and we didn't mention you, take it as disrespect. <laughs> Show me. Show me that I should have mentioned your name. Take it as disrespect, channel that energy, and show me. Show me that you should be mentioned. Show me that you should be up here. Show me you trying to get this surprise, right, that yeah. Billy has for a person making it to the tough. Show me. I want to see new I want to see new teams. I want to see the new talent. I want to see dudes challenge. You know, arm up and show us. Well, Lamigra is the prime example of a team that showed us. And I hold them in very high esteem. I see them as a team who means business um, any given season because they saw sort of our conversation about them as disrespectful and they showed us. Lamigra, if you are one of those teams that is in the Titan Cup championship next season, I will make sure you're taken care of. Trust me. And with that being said, I want to jump over to Dallas. We have another Titan Cup champion with the Mud Bros. We Mud Brothers more like Blood Brothers. Man, okay. Let me just say, this is this is the quote putting Dallas on notice right here. Okay? Listen to this. This year, I definitely believe we will make it to the Tough Cup playoffs. Shoot, I think we might win all four seasons in Dallas, honestly. We got some surprises for y'all next season, too. Quote, Keelan Jackson, quarterback Keelan Jackson. of the Mud Bros. Right? Did he hit you up too? That's a text from him. That I listen. That, <laughs> that that's right now. You can go see this quote on the Tough Dallas Facebook page. It's yeah. out there. It's out there. He's hey, and he's putting all of Dallas on notice. Like, come see us. We got this. So if you're listening and you're in Dallas and you don't play for the Mud Bros, 
you already know what ch- what the challenge is for this next these next couple seasons. They had a new conference in in the Fort Worth conference. It was a light conference as far as talent, from what I hear. All new conferences are, but from what I hear, that conference is going to get bigger. There's going to be some challenges for our boy Keelan Jackson, but with him saying he's going to win all four seasons, that's huge. If he wins all four seasons, there won't be a Yuletide tournament. They're just coming straight out to L.A. Boom. If he has a confidence, go for it. I think that'd be awesome. But I think there are other teams that are going to have something to say. This is the guy's second Titan championship, right? Yeah, he did win one with uh, the Kings, right? I think it was the Kings, yeah. Yep. So this is his second championship. He was in the Yuletide tournament last year. They didn't win, though. No. Did they lose in the championship to? Uh, Mammoths. To the, Eventually to the Mammoth. I, no, I, I think the Chiefs lost to the Mammoth. So, oh, okay. so they, they either so, lost to the Chiefs or they lost to the Mammoth, but okay. they didn't make it to the championship game. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think they will be in the mix, but this was only season one of 2022. Yeah, there's right? a long way to go for them. And with that kind of talk, right, I'm pretty sure some of these squads in Texas are going to come out to see if they can make him eat those words. If I'm a betting man, and I am – I don't see the Mud Bros winning this season. Now, keep in mind, I'm aware of who he's bringing on. I know who Keelan Jackson's. I know the roster for the Mud Bros next season. I don't think that is going to give them the advantage. I think, and, the, and I love the Mud Bros. I don't think they win it. I don't know who's going to beat them, but I know that Dallas talks a lot. And I know that there are players right now that are formulating plans and I think that that alone is going to trump the Mud Bros. I think Dallas as a region has a lot to prove after that national Tup Cup playoffs. I think that there was a lot of hype um, around Dallas coming into it. And they were still, I think, one of the better teams. But I think as a region, they may have underperformed based on their expectations. Mud Bros came out on top this season, but I think there will be plenty of teams coming for that crown and wanting to show us nationally that last year, you know, did not demonstrate what that region is is, is capable of. So I think that it's going to become more of a dogfight, you know, through the remainder of the year because people are want to be, you know, are wanting to be able to qualify for that Yuletide tournament because people saw the experience that the six teams that were in the national Tepcot playoffs got to experience. And I think that people want that. We're going to see that play out in, you know, the rest of this year, you know, people are going to want to be punching their ticket for, for the Eagle tie tournament. The Dallas teams aren't going to show us anything nationally. And the reason I'm saying that is because the same thing that I screamed all 2021, I still saw in the championship game and in the playoffs in Dallas, in 2022 there were nobody rushing keelan jackson literally took the ball under center and stood at the line of scrimmage and for six seconds looked for a receiver if that is what the expectation dallas has they are not they're going to underperform nationally again one of you teams in dallas in texas please develop a rush not a single rush a double rush I'm not saying it needs to happen every play, but if you guys don't get used to your offenses being double rushed, then you're not going to score 
the way you need to score when you come and play nationally because the best teams, and I'm not just talking about California, New York double rushed, the St. Louis double rushed, even Birmingham sparingly brought in a double rush. It you If your offense can't handle it or your offense is not used to that, you're not you're not going to be able to beat these other teams. So, I mean, are, are they going to listen to you? Because they didn't listen you, to me all last year. And you so, were absolutely right, too, because when they came for the Tough Cup, they underperformed, and half of that was because of the rush. They didn't know how to handle that. They, you know, and, and like I said, that was a good team. Dallas brought a good team. And, and I still think they're a really good team. The team that represented Dallas in the Tough Cup, right, the Mammoth, the first time they played YTG, YTG double rushed the entire game. You want to know what the final score was? It was something ridiculous, like 54 to 6 or something like that. The Mammoths couldn't move the ball. And they eventually represented Dallas in the Tough Cup because YTG had a prior commitment to a tournament and they couldn't make it to Yuletide. If the Dallas teams don't start making their defenses be more aggressive, double rushing, then they won't prepare the offenses of the teams that win to play nationally. And they're, they're just going to come in there and be filler games for the teams who are going to eventually win. I'm saying it. So I I love the Mud Bros. I love you know the way they play. They are going to have to see more aggressive defenses in order to convince me that they're ready nationally. You know, it's something that they hear, but I, I'm sure they're like, yeah, whatever. We'll figure it out. But you guys got to listen to this, man. When it comes to the national platform, if you want to be up there with the best, you have to understand how that rush works. It's funny because a lot of these these Dallas teams play fives non-contact where they get a rush every play. And so it's weird to come to a format where, you know, now you have a blocking center and then no one rushes. <laughs> it doesn't make yeah. any sense to me. I, I, eventually they'll figure it out. If you're a team in Dallas and you want to play in the tournament in St. Louis, hey, it's, that's not too far away. I would drive up there and, and get those coins. There's a tournament for St. Louis, May 7th. So I thought that the National Tough Cup playoffs for the Wild Boys was really going to be the last hurrah for St. Louis. But now I'm seeing that there's a tournament. You're right. The, the, that was the last dance for the Wild Boys. However, with the showcase season concept, that does bring back St. Louis. That brings that 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 gives them some pulse because now I could go run it and I can make sure that it is a flawless season. This tournament is taking place because Flag Football World Championship Tour is already there. They've reached out the Tough League and they said, "Hey, if you guys want to put your six on six Tough League format in this tournament, we'll allow you to do it." So we we considered it, and after. Well, and after much consideration, we decided that it would be a good idea because it would give the St. Louis teams a one-day tournament that they can earn coins from that allows them to come back out to L.A. So this is a big deal for St. Louis. They're, they're pretty much back in the picture because we could do tournaments all year long. We can have one in the spring. We can have one in the summer. We can have one in the fall. And they can earn coins that will take that team to the Tough Cup playoffs again. I don't know how that's going to look for St. Louis. I don't know if uh, that means there's going to be more teams that are going to compete against the Wild Boys of St. Louis, but we're going to give it another chance. We're going to see how it goes. I will be the one who runs it, so it's going to go smooth. Greg, you are actually going to be one of the officials for that tournament. Yes, sir. 
what we're doing is we're flying out the best of the best. We're flying out Greg Ellis. We're flying out Joe Green. We're flying out Wynn McElhoney. And we're going to give Brandon Brown, who's the Dallas Conference Manager, we're going to give him a run at this as well to be one of the referees for uh, this, the tournament in, in St. Louis. These referees know everything about Tough League. They know all the rules, so there's no questions. There's, no, there's not going to be a debate on whether or not these refs know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun tournament. It sounds like it. I can't wait. It's kind of exciting. It might add an interesting wrinkle. You know, a lot of teams travel. You know, we mentioned that. But now there is going to be an opportunity for folks potentially to get a taste of what the tough format is. And, you know, after they've done that, they may end up, you know, sort of seeking out, you know, locations that we have. And maybe they're taking part in, you know, showcase seasons or, um, you know, other tournaments or even, you know, regular seasons. So, you know, I think that this partnership is really going to benefit everybody. And so I'm excited to see it. Yeah, Flag Football World Championship Tour has been getting a lot of uh, questions regarding a, a tough format in their, in their program. And they finally reached out to us and they said, hey, you guys, we have some people, we have a lot of people interested. Uh, let's, let's join a partnership. So we're in talks on that right now. We're going to see how this tournament goes and then we'll go from there. But it's looking promising. A lot of teams saw the Tough Cup and they saw it going live on Facebook. They watched the video feed and you know what? They wanted a part of it. You know, a lot of teams were like, you know, I love to, to see people in the chat say, dude, these these teams are trash. We'd smoke them. All right. Show me. Right. <laughs> I want to see it. Well, hey, like I said, the tournament is is uh, May 7th. You know, it's uh, obviously we're all expecting the Wild Boys to win it, but maybe not. You know, this is a chance for the Demons. This is a chance for the Cobras. This is a chance for those teams that were in the in the run before that season got canceled, this is a chance for them to show what they got. Maybe they have what it takes to come out to L.A. Maybe, hey, the Wild Boys underperformed, right? Absolutely. They, showed the, they, they, they left way for some of these other St. Louis teams to see that they're vulnerable. Let's see right. if they smell the blood in the water and start attacking. Yeah, so maybe this is the opportunity that these other teams are, are waiting for. And now that we have these tournaments and these showcase seasons coming up, this is a chance for them to take over or maybe it's a chance for the for the wild boys to redeem themselves. Maybe establish uh, themselves. Yeah. Exactly. You know the fact that they came out and they didn't do the best. Maybe that's some humble pie for them to eat. And now they adjust from there and they show that they are a better team than they really are. I hope all of those things happen, and then they just meet in this maelstrom of just ridiculousness and awesome flag football. <laughs> yeah, May seventh. I'm I'm expecting some teams to come in there and compete against the wild boys i still think it's wild boy country which is a small country but i still think that they have the dominance over there in the midwest but i don't know how long it's going to last i hear that florida is also going to get a taste of tough finally that's right fort myers is going to happen in the spring of 2022 brandon blunden is going to be the conference manager for that yeah this is going to be the first time tough league touches down in florida but it won't be the last that's for sure oh no flag football is king over there in florida i mean i think the best the best team is called the kings of florida so <laughs> but i don't think they've had a six on six format do they no you know what i think they they play a lot they play fours fives and eight man yep. so it this this will definitely be a, a different format for them you know some of those really athletic 
quarterbacks that Florida is known for, they're going to have to show that they can actually toss the ball in this format. So I'm interested to see how that works. And speaking of representing uh, nationally, you all may have seen um, on social media the debut of the All Titan team for uh, winter 2022. And that was mostly represented or only represented um, you know, San Diego, Los Angeles, and Dallas. Um, but with all of these new locations, uh, you know, gearing up, you know, we'll probably end up seeing, you know, opportunities for more players to assert themselves as top players nationally. Well, those were the only sites that were running right now in the winter, correct? Yeah, so that's the way that the all tight team works. But first, let's talk about how cool that was to see that, to see those players morph into comic book characters that was cool to see that was great i don't know who's responsible for that it's going to happen every season this was the 2022 winter and there's going to be a 2022 spring in the summer and just so you guys know that's not coin based you're not going to win coins off of that that's just kind of like a recognition for a a national platform coins are nice obviously you need coins to compete nationally but I honestly think it was a lot cooler, you know, to have that art where, you know, you, those players on that team, you know, are customized superheroes. Like, I think that's an amazing honor to, you know, to get and a reward for, for being, you know, the best of the best. I think that what should happen is if you get a jersey from Tough League, they should somehow sublimate that. If you're on the all Titan team, you should have a jersey that has that. Or a hoodie. Or, 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 like, a or a hoodie or something like, you know, they should get something for that. Oh, I'm sorry. If, if, for those who don't know what we're talking about, head on over to the Tufts uh, Instagram page. It's Tuff, T-U-F-F underscore league. So T-U-F-F underscore L-E-A-G-U-E. If you go there, you'll be able to see all of the graphics that we're talking about. That is cool. And I think and you're right. That's true. I think they should get a hoodie or something with their logo on there with their with their cartoon on there that would be cool to have. So let's 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 talk about who made the team, all right? So we're going to start off with the uh, the center. The, the All Titan team is going to start off at the center and we have Justin Stewart from Hydra in San Diego. Stu in San Diego. That Jay dude is, Stu. A this guy's a beast and he's like he's like my age. <laughs> he's, he's a beast. <laughs> Jay Stu might be like 6263 and he's he's just he knows what to do once he gets the ball. Like it's just, you know, there's those centers who have a nose for openings on the field, right? So, you know, not only is he hard to get around as a blocker, but he knows when to leak out into into the into his yeah. route, and I mean, he finds the open IQ, area. His football IQ is through the roof. Yeah, it, it is. He's all he's an all Titan. That's all you got to right. say. He's an all Titan. <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. So uh, let's let's move on to uh, the defender. All Titan defender Rich Barber from Los Angeles from the Sharks. Ooh, and you know, yeah, Rich Barber is no longer a shark, but what a good way to go out. Right, right. And for those who don't know, Rich Barber is now going to be part of RBK. All right, so who's next? Let's see. We have we have the receivers. Uh, one of the receivers was from Dallas. His name is John Hickman. John Hickman. Yeah, man. Now I don't know much about John Hickman. Well, this is why what makes this tight these all Titan teams real cool is that now we get to put on blast the players, you know, who we may not know from some of the other regions. You know, John is a baller. 
right? <laughs> what an uncanny likeness to his caricature. <laughs> <laughs> well, from what I hear, from from when they decided to pick John, they looked at, and this was the impact of the game. They looked at him and they said, this player made the most impact. Now, he didn't have the best stats. Like, the seasonal awards for the region might be different because that's really based off stats. And there's one player in particular who went off on the stats, and that's the Mud Bros receiver, D. Ward, right? He went off. His stats were good. But he didn't impact the game the same way John did, apparently. Huh. That's interesting. But I like I like that they incorporated the impact of the game because that really does I like, you know, you can have a player with a with a billion stats, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I would want him on my team because I don't I don't know if he would impact the game as much Right. As like they player. watched John Hickman and they noticed, oh, the touchdowns that he had were game changers and the touchdowns that D Ward had were almost were somewhat garbage time touchdowns apparently. It is what it is, but John Hickman was picked. Yeah. The other receiver was Johnny Espinoza from the San Diego Pericos. Who had stats and impact. So that guy was a that guy was a blowtorch this season. <laughs> and it's funny because I don't think Johnny is their first or second option on offense. <laughs> right. Well, you know who is, is is James Calhoun, but he played two games for the regular season. So yeah. basically if when they don't have a James Calhoun available, they they make him their number one receiver. No, 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 they don't. Their second option is Darius Walters. Johnny yeah. is probably their third option, but you know what? That's that's a testament to the Pericos and the kind of team that they have. Is that no, their third was, option? There was Makes. a period this season where Johnny Espinoza was on fire. Like, you yeah. couldn't stop him. And I think that he really announced himself this season. I know that he and, and Kenny M go way back. Um, and so I think that that, you know, helped sort of, you know, the learning curve um, into tough. But, you know, I... As much respect as I have for James Calhoun and Darius Walters, I, you know, I really think that Johnny Espinoza proved himself this season and, and you know, really deserved that, you know, this honor. I wasn't surprised to see him on the All-Titan all team by any means. How did you feel about this, the rusher of, this, of the, the All-Titan team rusher? Preston Moultrie from Dallas Elite. Same team as John Hickman. Uh, from what I understand, this dude is built like DK Metcalf. <laughs> that dude is a monster. He is. He is built like DK Metcalf. He's, he's. I think he is a personal trainer, right? So when you have that kind of lifestyle, you're bound to be in good shape. This guy's in incredible shape, and I mean, he's every bit at 225. He's got to be. And for him to come rushing at you, yeah, I mean, that's a big. That's a train coming at you. Preston Moultrie, Cam Wilcom, and Stephen David out of LA, they're all changing the way that tough teams consider what a rush should look like and what an elite rush should look like. And so when we talk about an all Titan rusher, you know, I think that those three, you know, would typically be the ones in contention and any, any of them, any of the three of them would be worthy winners. Whenever we talk about the star system, we always try to figure out like who are some of the five-star QBs like like who 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 are who are unquestionably like one of the five-star QBs and I think the all-titan QB is definitely a person who unanimously when we talk about this people consider him to be a five-star QB and that's Jason Bauman from RBK I mean this guy is this guy has been 
you know, an elite quarterback on many formats for a better part of the last 15, 20 years. This guy's been amazing. And, and um, you know, he's got that Captain America look. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's, he's, just, he's just a good quarterback. He's smart. Um, that arm is still live. These days, he's not going to outrun a lot of rushers, but he doesn't have to. He's smart enough to know where to put the ball, and he gets it there every time. And that's why RBK is always going to be in the mix with him at QB. Absolutely. Now, there is a very interesting tidbit about this all-Titan team. The champions are not represented at all. There's no Mud Bros, and there's no one from Ronin. Now, I imagine if you ask those players, they would choose the championship over making an all-Titan team all day, right. every day. Of course. But it's just, it is an interesting tidbit. Maybe the key is to have that kind of a team where you don't have such an individual standout but maybe a, a, a whole team effort. There is your 2022 winter season uh, all-Titan team, and there will be a 2022 spring. I'm curious to see who it's going to be. I mean, you know, again, it's a, it's a, this is not necessarily a, a stat-based recognition. This is more of like we talked about, an impact-playing performance that got you to this team. It's basically the, if there was a supervillain in the world, what would your team look like if you could pick the all-Titan team to defend it. It's interesting because Justin Stewart was picked to be an all-Titan team center, but I think Corey Thorell won the regional award, which is interesting to me because how can you be picked as one of the best when you didn't even win your region? Well, I think the regional awards may be more stats-based and strictly stats-based. Right. Um, right. Here in Los Angeles, we understand how stats can be deceiving. Um, our boy Russell Westbrook had a terrible year for the Lakers. However, stats say that he led the Lakers in eight of the nine major stat categories. Right. So stats may not always tell the full story. Corey Thorell may have, you know, may win the regional center. When it comes imp to impact base, you know, you give any quarterback in the league a choice between the two, they're going to pick Jay Stu 10 out of 10. Now, and that's no disrespect to Corey. He should actually feel lots of respect that he's even in the conversation and that's with jay stew because how great a center that guy actually is well there we go guys we did it we did it <laughs> <laughs> um it's so funny because i i now have a daughter and every time i think of every time i say we did it i definitely think of the Dora. Dora. <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's just like perfect and it's funny like i'll literally be doing whatever it is I'm doing in my day. And then my wife, Shannon, will come up to me and, and you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go and we'll do the dishes together. And we finish them and she'll be like, we did it. And all of a sudden we'll be like, we did it. Yeah, yeah, we did it. And this song comes in our head. And so that's just made me think of that. But uh, yeah, guys, it's been a while. Last time we talked, we were prepping for the Tough Cup playoffs and that's over and done with. And, uh, you know, now it's time to focus on the, uh, the second quarter of the uh, 2022 season. It's Diane, you up there in Oregon. Me and Greg typically down there in Los Angeles. It's cool that we could still keep the podcast going with the equipment that we have. We all have. I mean, if we didn't tell people that we were in different parts of the country, they wouldn't even know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing that we're, that we're able to do this. And I know, like I said, we, I think all of us have the same kind of passion and enjoyment for flag football and tough league that enables us to even be a possibility. Technology, man. Greg, we can even act like we high-five each other with sound effects. Watch. Greg, high-five. There. See? <laughs> I'll add a sound effect in there to make it sound like we did. 
Well, until next time, this has been Diane. And this has been Greg. And this is Billy, and you've been listening to the League Lowdown Podcast.